0: This is Margaret from Gold. and And you're listening to the New Wave Music Podcast.
1: to a special episode of Don't You Forget About Me, the New Wave Music Podcast. This is T-Bone. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this a few times now, with our new music spotlight. Uh, we're introducing you to some bands that are not necessarily from that New Wave era, but they they do have kind of a New Wave-ish indie kind of sound. This time, we're going to be talking to Ben Gray of the band Dear Boy. So, I'm going to turn this over to Steve. Today, I'm thrilled to be
2: speaking with a band that I've been a huge fan of for the last few years. And those of you that have been following the podcast know I've been a big fan and playing them a lot, Dear Boy. They just released their new album, Forever Sometimes. Today, I'm joined by Ben Gray from Dear Boy. Ben, welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege.
2: So Ben, uh, just kind of get the obvious question out of the way. Is there a story behind the name of the band, Dear Boy? (laughs)
0: there is i mean there have been a lot of fan theories uh but we really what happened was we started this band um in the uk um a bunch of us just moved there just trying to shake up our whole thing and um we had been writing for months and not really knowing what direction or what the the vision was for the for the project and just one night on thanksgiving we were in a restaurant in london and uh a little bit dejected to be away from our family and everybody and then uh, a waitress just came up to me and said, uh, things are going to look up, dear boy." And uh, it was sort of one of those cosmic little things. And we immediately got our phones to make sure that that wasn't a band. And that's what happened.
2: Wow. That's that's quite a way to get a good, good band name.
0: Yeah. Just yeah, just go and deject it somewhere. And see <laughs> how that works out for you.
2: Can you tell us who else is in the band and what is their role?
0: Yeah, we have, uh, Keith Cooper on drums and vocals and he, uh, engineers most of our recordings, uh, Austin Heyman on lead guitar and vocals, and then Lucy Lawrence on bass and vocals.
2: Nice. How did you and the other band members come together? Were they all original members or did you pick up some along the way?
0: For the most part, Lucy is the newest addition, but you know, we all just kind of knew each other from, from the the LA music community. Um, I think a lot of times bands, you know, when you start making music, you start with your friends and you learn to be in a band later. But for us, it was the opposite. You know, we were, we had been in bands for years and years and years, but it wasn't until dear boy that we started something with our
2: friends first. Nice. So one question I'm really curious to find out is Ben, what are your musical influences or who (laughs) are your musical influences? I
0: mean, how long do you have? Is really the question. Um, I think there's a ton. I mean, it's like, it's, it's quite a, you know, it's quite an ambrosia for all of us, (laughs) but I think like our shared influences. And I think really kind of what informs how we approach music um, is sort of late seventies, early eighties, post-punk and then early nineties, Brit pop. But really like, it depends on how deep you want to get into it. But usually we tell people that it's like, if, Factory records and Creation Records put out the same band.
2: Oh, I can see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we—it's funny to be. I mean, we're so heavy, heavily influenced by lives we've never lived, you know. And um, there's something about us discovering it, not swept up in the buzz of actually living through those experiences and those scenes, you know. That the fact that that music found us and, and touched us in a way is, is something that, you know, for us, we're trying to do our best to channel and honor that music and that art while creating something that is um, of, of this time and for for people our age.
2: I was first introduced to Dear Boy back in uh, 2019. I believe you were on tour with James and the Psychedelic Furs. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> A few weeks before I was going to the show, I came across an article that basically said, do not arrive late. Make sure you see them. There'll be a highlight on the tour. And that article did not lie.
0: Oh man. Thank you so much. H-
2: how did you end up on tour with the psychedelic first? <laughs> it's
0: cra- It is crazy. I, we covered, I mean, I honestly don't know exactly how it happened. We did cover the ghost in you for a seven inch when we first started this band. And I knew that Richard Butler I knew that it got to him somehow uh, and he he had posted something or the first had posted something about it. And for us, that was enough. You know, it was like, I can't believe they know we exist. The The creators of this music are, are into what we did. We felt like we honored them. So this is, it was a thrill, you know? And then uh, it was, they came to Los Angeles, maybe like the following year. And they played the terragram, and they invited us to come see them randomly. And that was a thrill. And we got up to the box office and we realized we had backstage passes and was like, well, that's cool. And as soon as we walked backstage after the show, Richard saw us from down the hall and just yelled the band name. So it was like a really crazy thing. So then it felt like a tractor beam just pulled us in and we met him and he was very cool. And that was kind of it. And randomly we just got asked to do it you know in 2019 i i don't know what it was but something jogged his memory or their memory and they thought it would be a good fit and we got to do one of the craziest most fun things that we've ever done after that
2: nice uh well part of my question was going to be about your cover of the ghost in you An already, it's an already amazing psychedelic first song. You guys take it to a whole nother level. Either one of the Butler brothers get a chance to give you any feedback on their on your version of the song.
0: Yeah, I mean once we were on tour, they kept trying to like <laughs> they were cajoling us to, to play it every night on the <laughs> tour and I I didn't, it felt like a trap <laughs> like I did like, they were like, come on, and I we they loved it. I mean, Tim is more circumspect, you know, he's not, he, he's really cool, but he doesn't, he doesn't like to pre-show, especially get in and hang. Whereas Richard is a very, um, likes to kind of hold court and is just a really, um, outwardly gregarious person. Uh, so he'll tell you what he thinks. Brad Um, so he definitely, uh, he loved he loved the cover, but I, I recently ran into him because they played in LA a couple weeks ago, and uh, he invited us to the show. And he he <laughs> did tease us a little bit about the name of the record. He was like, "Forever sometimes, huh?" He's like, "I hope I get credit for the name." And I was like, "Don't you do this to me? It's not the same." Um, but they're the they're like really fun uh, older brothers to us.
2: Sounds like you had a fun tour with them.
0: Yeah, I'm in a group chat with, uh, with Richard and Tim Booth. The three of us are in a uh, like a group text. And uh, their emoji usage is uh, really brilliant. Perfect.
2: Uh, that's awesome. Sounds like you found some uh, good uh, mentors for you.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, that's the other thing is like when you're playing every night, with heroes of yours it's it's i mean you feel it's so out of body i mean it's the craziest thing in the world to finish a song and look side stage and to see you know members of james and the Furs like watching you play you know it's that i those things have imprinted on me and all of us i i still can't believe any of that happened
2: needless to say after seeing your band and hearing such songs as anything at all And semester, I was hooked and a huge fan since. But what really stuck with me was the closing song you did for your set, Hesitation Waltz.
3: How about a
2: Yeah. That's a song to close out a set.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Ram.
2: Can you tell me maybe how that song came to be or kind of a little bit about that song?
0: Sure. Um, I think this might be the first question about hesitation. Waltz I've ever received. So uh, let me, uh, let me put on my suit. Um, so when I, that's that, that was a song that kind of existed in various forms since I was, a teenager um originally it had a whole different ending like I'd always tried I'd always tried to make it work in whatever band I was in and I was always there's so many different versions there's so many different demos of it it's just something that I started writing when I was like a teenager and it didn't really fully form until I was in my 20s and yeah I I brought it to the band you know I just I brought it into the room and I was like there's this song from forever ago but I feel like it there's something in its DNA that feels like it, it it belongs here with this band, and it came together really, really quickly. You know, it's one of those things where you put you you put a living thing with four creative people, and it just sort of takes over in a, in a direction that's um, organically chooses itself. So it was, yeah, it was really fast, really organic and and uh i don't think we could play a set without it now.
2: yeah and i hope you uh, keep that on your set like i said that's a great way to close out a set
0: thank you so it's it's one of my favorite moments because i get to kind of really um let go of everything like i feel like that's just like it's that's just a really it's a fun celebratory moment for all of us
2: so you currently have also three eps uh with dear boy you have the self-titled dear boy parts of the Mm -hmm. flower EP. And the Strawberry EP, which all feature amazing songs like Green Eyes.
3: When there's no place left to go, I will meet you down below. And when there's no one left to find, we won't need this place to hide.
2: Allura. And Limelight.
3: So we sour off the limelight. Kiss me like
2: it's interesting to hear the band evolve over those EPs and grow. Did you find success early on with these EPs or were they more of a labor of love?
0: The success is such a tricky thing you know, because it's sort of in the eye of the beholder, like for us, we were, you know, we've been an independent band up until late last year. And we, so our version of success is, is measured in ways of like, who found it and how did they find it? And what did they do once they found it? You know, like with our audience and connection is really paramount for us. And, you know, if, if people are fulfilled by the things that we make and we're fulfilled by the exchange of energy, then that is success to us. We've never really cared about metrics and streaming and all of that. Like that just has never been part of our um, world or, or what we really care about Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like for us, it just doesn't, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of stands in defiance of what we, why we do this. Um, So, we did have success in that, you know, whenever we headline, especially in California, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, like our, our fans are, are, there's a familial feeling, you know, we feel very uh, connected and there's a very cathartic thing that happens when we play. So there's always been success in that. We have never, I mean, we've played to empty rooms, but we've not really. And That's something we're really, really grateful for. And we get to make the music the way we want to make it. So we've always felt um, very lucky and uh, we felt successful. We've been able to celebrate even like the smallest of wins. So like when there's something giant that happens, like playing the Greek or getting to play to 10,000 people in Mexico, you know, it's like those things to us um, are worth celebrating the same as, you know, getting, a uh, handwritten note of a show from somebody who, you know, a, a song of ours is connected to, or they feel connected to a song of ours. So, um, yeah, I feel like the we feel success in the EPs just because they've helped build us to what we are today.
2: And you kind of touch base on it. You, I was surprised, like I said, I've been following the band for a while. You guys have quite a big following, it looks like, in Mexico as well. Um, yeah. Is there is there any location or place that you're maybe just kind of blown away with how much you've already reached that area or had... Have a (laughs) fan base in,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm blown away by so much of this of this whole thing. You know, because when we started the band and when I started playing music, I never really thought that this could be something I would do with my life or have it be a a career. Um, So when we played Mexico City for the first time, it was uh, deeply surprising. I mean, we the reason we got this festival is we had played a random show. Um, for Live Nation on our day off in, uh, during the first tour. And we made a really great friend who just randomly was there. His name is Bruce Moran. And he he just was like, I, I love this. He was like, do you want to play Corona Capital in Mexico City? And we were, you know, yes, yes, please. Um, and, you know, we didn't have an agent at the time. Uh, we didn't have a label. And we were the only unsigned band on this giant festival. I mean, like the strokes were playing and Billy Eilish was playing and, uh, you know, Interpol and Bogarty and Franz for It was just this massive festival. And I just remember the night before we went to go see the, we went to the festival and the b played and we watched the strokes. We watched the strokes play to like a hundred thousand people. And we were playing the next day. And I just remember thinking like, this is a band playing at the highest possible level. So hundred thousand people is like who is going to come see us tomorrow? I could not fathom that anyone would come see a band they've never heard of, who didn't have a record out in the territory, and we just got really nervous. So we didn't, we couldn't really sleep. And the next morning, we sound checked in the tent that fits ten thousand people, and we're just like, no one's coming to this. (laughs) There's no way anyone's coming to this, and we're like, we started doing that that kind of self talk of you know, 50 people come it's a success, you know, it's like Ben, it's a huge deal. And when we, when we came back, the, the golf cart took us back to the to backstage and we heard, we heard kind of rumbling and we looked outside and like, I think there's like 500 people out there. I said, like, well, this is fabulous. Like, great. This is, it's huge success. And then like minutes passed by. And I'm like, I think there might be like a thousand people out there. And then by the time we got out, it was like at half capacity, 5,000 people. And then by the end, it was like completely full, and people knew every word to our songs, and it was this uh, intensely emotional thing for us because to to be in a new city in a new country with people who have never heard you or never seen you, and to have done it with just the four of us, really, you know, like no team, we had no crazy like thing happen. It was just the four of us and our friend, and we were our own crew we're here and playing these songs we care about and love to strangers who are no longer strangers it's very emotional um, so this is a long winded answer but I just wanted to say that you know it's, it's not lost on us what, it, what an amazing opportunity it is
2: so you, your first full album is out now forever sometimes right. this is something that you started teasing back in I believe 2020 with the song The Nominee so And last year with the songs, On My Mind. You
3: were always, you were on my, my, and,
2: and the other singles, Say When. Wet Clothes,
3: Life, I the sun. maybe you're with him, maybe you know where, but when the rain's coming down, you'll be in wet clothes, in wet clothes.
2: And the title track, Forever Sometime. What can you tell us about the album?
0: Firstly, I just say it's a surreal thing to talk about the album at all because we did we started recording it in February of 2020. Where we had the nominee done, then we had we started breaking ground on the rest of the record, which we had been wanting to make since the first days of the band. Um, and then we ended up doing basic tracks for the first month, like in a proper studio, and then we spent. March of 2020 until December of 2020, just working on it six days a week, 12 hours a day, just going crazy. And it felt like it would never come out because we were making it in such a small, private way. The idea that this album would ever reach anybody or come out, is seemed made up. It just didn't seem like a, like a real life thing. So the fact that we're talking about it is is deeply cool to me. Anyway, this is, I mean, this is our proper handshake with our audience even though we've been a band for a long time releasing singles and touring like i feel like this is the thing that we've been wanting to make and chasing since the first time we ever plugged in together um you know there are songs on there that we started when the first few weeks as a band and there were songs that we we finished or started and finished while recording it like it it represents every kind of moment in this band's trajectory and like in our in our emotional journey, it's pieced together. So like it's our statement, you know, it's our it's our big swing project. Um it's we put all of our time in it, all of our money in it, and it's it's the thing we we hope we if the band broke up tomorrow, which it's not, but this is the thing that we would want to be remembered by.
2: Very cool is there any song in particular that you enjoyed writing and recording for the album?
0: I did. I mean, the whole thing is, is sort of a, (laughs) it it's an emotional thing to record anything. Um, But I would say the way that there's a song on the record called Swan Dives that was a very gratifying thing to record. probably the luscious song on the album. We, you know, when we delivered it to mix, it had like an annoying amount of tracks, um, like hundreds. We just really lost ourselves in in that recording. So that was very gratifying because it made us completely forget about the outside world. um, We threw pretty much every good idea we could ever pull out. Um, And I would also say that Say When was deeply gratifying because that was a song that we... We had written a version of that the first month of Dear Boy, and it sounded completely different. And it wasn't until we were like 80% through the record that we knew it needed something. And I just remembered that we had this song that we just never finished, and it was the missing piece to the record. So the idea that we could take something that we had forgotten about and given a new life and given the record a perfect, the perfect compliment that it needed um, just was felt really rewarding. Um, You know, time is a big theme on the record and that song, especially like the idea that we could take something when we were in a completely different emotional place, make it relevant to where we are now and where the record is. It was very cool.
2: One thing that stands out is how well your songs are written and performed. When you go, you can go from a slow tempo song, such as Something Good.
3: To
2: Local Roses. To love, interest.
3: I'll go if I for you. love
2: interest, and they flow extremely well. Oh, well, thanks! What is you're welcome? What is the songwriting process like for you?
0: Songwriting process is is uh, it's different every time, which is kind of what makes it also appealing. Um, I, I think a lot of artists and a lot of musicians, especially part of what, what keeps it so interesting is that anything you could, you were on the precipice of writing your best song at any moment. So the idea that, you know, you could hear someone miss, you know, you can mishear something someone said, or there's like a, yes someone drops some change on the street, whatever. Like there's just something that will pull you into a creative direction. And then you're, you know, then you're already thrust into writing, you know, what could be your best song. So for us, it's constantly evolving and the way I I describe it, whether this is annoying or not is it's like pickpocketing in the dark. Like you really kind of have, you're given small clues as to where you're going. And I think regardless if the song starts with me or if it starts in the room, like, it always goes through our dear boy filter, you know? So like if Keith has a guitar riff or Austin brings in a guitar riff or like, or Lucy has some sort of phrase that she's been saying or whatever, like it goes into the pot and then we, we do our thing together when so, something that is very special when the four of us are working on something together. So yeah, the writing is always different, but it always, it always ends up becoming a dear boy at the end.
2: that's a great response i love that thanks when you're performing live do you or the band have a favorite song that you enjoy to perform in front of the crowd Mm -hmm.
0: we all have our our favorites but i lately honestly it i really like playing um i really like playing on my mind we we've done something a little bit different to the outro which i love doing um i love playing limelight there's a lot of new songs that I'm really like liking playing now because we've spent the last few months rehearsing and, and learning the record. And there's some stuff in there that is, I didn't expect to uh, love as much as I do, but I think, yeah, those two and I love playing, I love playing semester and I love playing. Um, what else do I, a song that I used to love playing, we don't play very much anymore is green eyes just because I remember exactly where I was when we wrote it and I just I remember after we wrote that song I was like oh this could be something so anytime we get to play that I feel like connected to the beginning of Dear Boy
2: So you had a tour planned back in uh, 2021 that unfortunately was cancelled you have a few shows scheduled for LA and New York to promote the album Mm -hmm. are there any plans for a larger tour?
0: Yes, there are many plans there are, you know, I'm sure you've I mean, I'm sure you've seen and heard it's touring is kind of the Wild West right now. So it's like we we have things on the books, but we haven't formally announced yet, just because as out of an abundance of caution. But like there we plan on touring this record extensively for sure. Um, But these two shows, we wanted to just do something celebratory right off the bat. Um, but we plan to be on the road for quite a while.
2: We really look forward to seeing Dear Boy live again. It's been way too long. What's the best way for our audience to get a hold of your album, your EPs, singles, follow the band? If you go
0: to dearboyofficial.com, you can buy our vinyl. Like we just got the records in and they're so gorgeous. Um, and we have bundles and stuff like that, but otherwise Instagram, Spotify, um, everything slash Dear Boy Official, and that's how you can find us.
2: Ben, thanks again for joining us on the New Wave Music Podcast. I wish you and the band nothing but success with the new album. I hope you and our listeners enjoyed this interview as much as I did.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate
1: it. All right. Well, that was a fantastic interview, Steve. I really think you uh, you showed that uh, they're a band that people uh, who listen to our podca- podcast are really going to enjoy. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. And if you have any bands that are either legacy bands from the 80s or early 90s or new bands like Dear Boy that kind of have that new wave sound, be sure to let us know by emailing us at newwavemusicpodcast at yahoo.com.